This is Creepy and Geeky. Hey, all you creeps and geeks. I'm your host, Robert, and today's episode is part three in my Scream series, and we're talking all about Scream 5 and 6, so be prepared for lots of spoiler talk in this episode. Joining me for this discussion is returning guest Kat Hughes, and she's a film journalist who primarily writes for The Hollywood News. Welcome back to the show, Kat. Thank you for having me back. I am uh, very excited to uh, talk about uh, these two films. Oh, me too. Uh, I'm very excited, especially... You know, the new movie just came out a couple of weeks ago and uh you know it's it's most people seem to really enjoy it uh so it'll be uh fun to talk about get your get your thoughts on it and to you know see what uh see how this goes over <laughs> uh but first um you know a new thing that I'm doing is uh talking to people uh about you know trying to get to know the guest a little bit and uh so uh you've been on a few times but I never uh, asked you this so this will be the first time doing it so what was your first horror movie if you so can... i i grew up um, with a young mum during the 80s who was heavily into a horror so i would always wander in and out of various various films i remember seeing snippets of dolls and um, ghoulies um really little but I think the the one that sticks in my mind as being the one that I saw the most of the youngest would have been the first Gremlins film I came in quite early and my mum had twigged that it wasn't the scariest of the films I could have walked in on and she was just like yeah sit down but at the end of the night I made her sort of go into my room and check underneath my bed and stuff because there's just that ran pouncer as the you know thing you know if there's something wrong with your tv or your car won't start maybe just maybe and that at like i would have been three i think oh just wow okay stuck stuck in my head and then the next year she introduced me to gremlins 2 and i became fixated <laughs> with it and watched it every single day for the two years that I was in infant school which I think is like kindergarten in the in the UK uh, in the US and to the point of having tantrums when babysitter was, babysitters would come around and want to watch something else so <laughs> I I quickly got over any fear I had of gremlins by the time the sequel rolled around that's funny yeah I I, I remember um you know I was it had been 10, I think, when Gremlins came out. I think what Gremlins was 84 or 85? 84, 84. It's the year I was born. I uh, oh, Okay, there you go. I, 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 cling so, yeah. to, I cling to that good year. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 10 that year. So, um, and uh, I remember it coming out and I remember it being huge. We actually had um, a uh, set of uh, books with records in them that kind of told the whole story. Um, and uh, I love that. It was just I was obsessed with Gremlins for for good, you know, a good while as well, just because it was it was just fun. So I can understand. 
Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great starter horror as well. Because oh yeah, the, fir- yeah. the first one especially has some really dark moments in it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, you look back on it now, and it's like, yeah, it's it's kid friendly ish, but also because it's the eighties, that's what we thought was kid friendly, <laughs> yeah. and it really wasn't. No. Um, we wouldn't show that to kids these days. Um, not, I mean, I would, but I was the one who showed my daughter uh, Seed of Chucky when she was three. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, let's get into Scream. Uh, we're gonna start with scream five of course uh and uh this uh this was the you know the return of scream after what 11 years um and and post west craven uh so it was uh nobody knew how this was gonna go um you know we we were all you know for the most part i see i think most people were tentatively excited uh, about the prospects of new scream uh especially once we all found out that uh kevin williamson was uh going to be a producer on it uh so at least it felt like somebody you know from the originals was still kind of steering the ship in a way so that was good yeah and then you add to that that your your core characters of sydney gale and dewey had all signed on to return i think that also helped yeah alleviate any any tensions and then the inclusion of radio silence for anybody that had watched and enjoyed ready or not. It seemed like quite a, an interesting pairing to, to see how they yeah. would, how they would work with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of ready or not. Uh, that that's a, that's a great movie. So as soon as I heard that they were on board uh, for doing this, I was, I was, I was, I was pretty much completely sold from the beginning. Um, and I was excited to see what they were going to do with it. And, you know, I, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised and and very happy with the end result uh, of, of Scream 5. Yeah, it was, it was strange that you say it not being, not being Wes anymore. And so much time had passed and horror had changed so much. So it was definitely settling down to watch it. An interesting experience to see how they had incorporated everything that had changed within horror because the first scream is very knowledgeable and referential to the classics nightmare on elm street and halloween and psycho and then suddenly you've got this film which is in its first scene you know poking fun at elevated horror in the babadook and it follows things it was it's very strange um the first scream i was sort of just getting into the genre in a way and the films that it was homaging and mentioning were things that i'd maybe seen bits and pieces of but i hadn't gone too deep into but by the point that we get to to scream five i knew all of these films intimately that they, they these new wave of films that they were referencing and that that was a strange experience for for me as a viewer yeah yeah, no, definitely. And and especially like I, I agree, like for me, um, you know, I, I fell in love with the Scream franchise from from the first one. Um, and I've been a fan ever since. And and I've seen literally every one of these in theaters. Um and it's and like you said, yeah, it it you know, the first one and you know, and all the ones uh since then all reference, you know, the older horror movies and and everything and 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 for me as somebody who was more of a casual horror 
person uh, up until you know more recent years. Uh, it was it was fun because you know I I knew enough about horror movies to engage with what they were doing in um in the first screen movie. I didn't get all the references, of course, but I got most of them. And then now having been uh, fully immersed into horror uh, uh, the last few years, by the time this scream movie came out, uh, I I had seen all of those movies and understood them all and, and, and totally got the, the joke of pretty much everything in this one. And it was just, yeah, it was just more fun than, uh, you know, in a way more fun because I knew all that. So, but yeah, it's, it's, this one, this one is interesting because, you know, we get this new cast of, uh, you know, this new younger cast and they kind of tried to do that with number four. And I get, I, and I, I have a feeling that with number four, it just, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it worked as well. It's a good movie. Of course, like none of the, none of the screen movies are bad or anything, but it's like, they tried to do that with number four and they were going to create a new trilogy with four on um but it it uh, for whatever reason it didn't uh come to pass and so now with this number five they created this whole new group of kids that's this second generation you know people who are related to people from the first movie and so that was a more interesting way of doing it in a different dynamic i think than what we had with this, like with what was in number four, this kind of interim generation um, that was kind of, they were trying to pass the torch to in a way. Yeah. Cause isn't Jill Sydney's niece, but there's She's been her like cousin, cousin, yeah. that's it. But there's been no mention of this relative in any, it felt very much like, how can we wheel in somebody new? Oh, I don't know. Let's give her a long last cousin. It's a very soap opera thing to do with like oh here's your long lost you know stepfather from you know the war it's it felt very much like that but this this new wave did feel a little bit more organic especially the the twins of of Chad and Mindy being um Randy's niece and niece and nephew and we get to see obviously their mother um, and then obviously Sam's character hinges on the fact that she is Billy Loomis's daughter. I didn't, I think the first time I watched it, I felt, I was a bit on the fence about how I felt about that because yeah. he would have been, well, he would have had to have been cheating on Sydney, which makes sense because it wasn't like Billy was in love with Sydney. He was trying to punish her. But there was still something that almost didn't quite feel authentic to me. In the fact that he was so obsessed with Sydney and you know getting back at her mother through her that I'm not sure he really had much time for for other women. But the more I've sat with it, the more I kind of accept it as as being what it is. And it does present some interesting scenarios with Sam, who's who's dealing with some mental health issues and she's being plagued by the knowledge that her father was this massive serial killer that caused a lot of people a lot of trauma and there's some really nice scenes as she's trying to work out who she is in relation to what he was right 
Yeah, no, I felt the same way. Like I felt like it was uh, it, it was a little weird um, to have this whole Billy Loomis connection. Um, you know, I, I, I figured that, you know, cause there was the whole year, uh, that, um, you know, he, he mentions in scream one about how it's been a whole year that since her mom's death and, you know, and, and she didn't, uh, Sydney didn't want to have anything to do with him, you know, affectionate wise or, or sexually or anything like that. So, you know, it makes sense in, in a way, his toxic brain and everything that he would just go and cheat with somebody else in the meantime to get that, that physical connection that he was wanting uh, while he was, he was still trying to work out what he was going to do to Sydney and everything. So it's, it's really messed up, <laughs> but, uh, but it makes sense to in the, in the overall storyline. Yeah. I'm still very interested to know who the mother is though. Like, is it yeah. a character that we did see in the original scream? You know, is it one of the, I think the the common assumption is that it's the the girl in the bathroom, one of the girls in the bathroom that's like <laughs> right. poking fun at Sydney. But I'm not too sure how either of those women and Billy Loomis result in in Sam because Sam isn't a blonde white American woman. Um, yeah, I think she's I think she's the one in the in the first Scream film, isn't she? That's like seems to be yeah. very anti Sydney. So I'm interested to see if at any point in any future installments they maybe bring her in or you know dial back, and if it's going to be just some random side character, I imagine that that's right. what it'd be more be. She'd just be some random. Maybe she didn't even. I don't know. No, I think they do say that she went to Woodsboro, um, but she'll have just been some random in the cafeteria or something, some random at the party. Right. Yeah. And that's, a, and, and it's weird too, because of the way the timeline works out and everything like that, that this is like, so if, if this was some woman that like, you know, when she mentions it to uh, uh, Sam mentions it to her sister that she read her mom's diaries and that her mom was in love with Billy and, you know, that, you know, while she was dating Sam's not Sam's, but Tara's dad, um, and so while they were at school, so it's like, so she was dating Tara's dad and Billy was dating, uh, Sydney at the same time. And then they were both cheating on their respective new, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever during that time. So it makes it, cause I was thinking about it just now. I was like, well, how would she like, why would she be okay with him just being around Sydney the whole time while they're doing stuff? But I remember that the yeah she was with Tara's dad still at the same time too so and that's why Tara thought or Tara's dad thought he was Sam's father as well so because the timing would work out like like that so it's just yeah it's it's a weird situation for sure uh and seeing who who this person be like it's it's funny too because they've kind of teased it like you know the mom was gone and then now the mom doesn't want to have anything to do with either one of them in, in this new movie and just it's we still don't know who this mom is we've never seen her um and so it'll be interesting to uh to get that part of it if they yeah, if I'm, they choose to do it for the next one i mean i was certain before i went in to the new one that she was going to be ghostface um <laughs> just because the the opening call with tara ghostface pretends to be um charlie from group 
and like Tara's like what group and he's like oh with you from your mum's group and she keeps pushing like to try and find out some information the the assumption is like AA or, or some similar support group but that character that Ghostface is putting on never never confirms but when they get onto the topic of scary movies it does go on to say oh your mum's always talking about that filming group she loves it she's obsessed with it it's her favorite film which would link into their mum being in love with Billy and there was all this marketing that was alluding to like a cult of Ghostface in the new mm. one that was like wouldn't it be really cool if it was their mum and we'd already been told about it in five and it was like yeah. a really long game the first scene of five it, we're basically told that mum is part of this group and maybe yeah. she sent like amber and richie out at, on like a test thing to to see you know if sam's got that that killer loomis spirit and then in six she is revealed and it wasn't and it's a classic case of me overthinking <laughs> i mean for <laughs> before before scream five i was i was certain i even wrote an article about it i was certain that cal galner was going to be one of the ghost faces um <laughs> there, there was all this marketing about how yeah. like the killer is on the poster but and i went through all of the old screams and on so many of them Ghostface is and then on a couple of them they aren't but there's even when there's two ghost faces one of them tends to not be on the poster so I was like well his name isn't on the poster he's not on the poster he's probably one of the most well-known faces in this new film going into it outside of the legacy characters surely he's gonna pop up and be Ghostface and then he (laughs) He arrived as as Vince and was ended up being the the Drew Barrymore in the first like actual kill of <laughs> kill of the film instead, and that was my my right. theory, my theory in the dirt. But you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, no, I, I'm fully on board with a full like Stu Mockers coming back slash cult of goat ghost face thing that that's what I want out of these movies. And they keep, they keep teasing it. They really are teasing it hard um, in, in both ways. Um, And I'm, you know, I kind of want to get into the, into the theories and stuff like that a little bit later. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's something I've been hoping for and they keep not giving it to me. I'm like, come on. You know, and and to be fair, I mean, they've got whatever ideas they want to do, and they're teasing that because they know that's kind of what everybody wants. Yeah. Um, so it kind of works for them to kind of flip that because that's what Scream's all about is flipping uh, expectations. Um, and so it's a uh, it's frustrating, sure, but I still like what we're getting. So. <laughs> yeah. But um. Uh, yeah. And I it's, did. It's go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I was just gonna sort of be once I say that I. I liked what Five did with the the legacy characters in terms of um, like Dewey and Gale. This is a story that yeah. we've been following throughout films, and we know in real life that Courtney and, and David met on set, fell in love, married, divorced. So, you know, they're with other people now. They've got new families, and I, that, that scene the first scene between um, Gail and Dewey 
was the first time that the actors had seen each other in a while because of COVID and stuff. And while they were filming the scene, there was some of their own life coming through to the point of like, I think the first take that they did, the director sort of kept for them because they kind of got all of their own personal things out. But it's it's really interesting thing when you're watching it, knowing the history, because it just makes Dewey and Gale feel real because, yeah. you know, in a weird way they are, which then feeds into this meta meta thing that has made the Scream franchise so, so popular. Like even down to the people in the cast, we're getting into that sort of meta he- headache sort of yeah. environment. Yeah, like you can you can feel in that scene too. You can feel kind of all the heartache between them as well. Like it's mm. it's 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 definitely there in that scene. They they did. Yeah, I re- I read the same thing about how they on that first take they finished it and they were um, Courtney and David were like, yeah, that one that one was for us. Uh, yeah, let's redo that so we could do it for the movie <laughs> itself. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's it's hard. Yeah, if you've like these movies mean so much to them just as much as they mean to the audience if not more so because like you said they met each other fell in love got married got divorced through all of this and they um you know and then to return for this new one for number five um after all of that after you know all of that had already happened because they had gotten divorced uh before number four yeah uh, had filmed and so like a lot of that was still raw um, with number four. Um, and so then, you know, another 11 years goes by and they've, like you said, they've, they've, you know, married other people, had families, um, moved on quite a bit. And then they come back to this series that has meant so much to their lives, uh, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and just, you know, it, it was good to see them back. Good to see them together. Um, you know, I was, <laughs> One of the things I've loved about this series is um, with number two, uh, they did that little bit of music uh, that actually comes from the movie Broken Arrow. Yes. Uh, when when Dewey appears on screen and which was originally just a temp track. They weren't really going to do that. They were actually going to put in um, the Marco Beltrami um, uh, Dewey's theme, uh, but they put it in the temp track and apparently um, showed it to test audiences and test audiences went wild for it. And so they ended up keeping that, that track in and it's become so iconic to his character that when they play it in number five, I lost it in the theater. I was just like, I went with my daughter and I was just nudging her and she's like, what, what is going on? I'm like, they're playing his theme. So <laughs> Uh, it was just glorious. And then, you know, and we'll talk about it in, in the next one, but we get a we get a little bit of a, a hint of that theme in the next one as well. Yeah. But then obviously, you know, the big thing that, that five did is it killed a it the killed a couple legacy. of yeah. And yeah. we you know, killed a couple, you know, there's uh the 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 sheriff, uh, yep. yeah, lemon yeah. lemon Judy Hicks. That's the one with a, with a lemon squares. <laughs> yes. Um but it wasn't afraid to come back. You know, Radio Science weren't afraid to come back to this iconic franchise and be like, Dewey, that guy that, you know, that lovable 
deputy from the first film that everybody has fallen in the love heart with. of the franchise like, yeah, yeah like i'm sorry guys but we are we're taking him away from you it's it is so sad and heartbreaking because oh, he that... is like you say he is the heart of the franchise and i'm not oh, yeah. sure I'm not sure if any of the other characters that have gone, it, well, I mean, I guess Sydney would have obviously been a massive shock, but if it had been Gail, I'm not sure it would have had quite the impact that, that mm, Dewey's yeah. death does. I mean, even Ghostface themselves is like, it was an honour. Like, they themselves understand how important this character is to this this world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that Dewey, unfortunately, like, as much as I hated it, like, it, 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 really like i was i was nearly on the verge of tears in the theater but it it had to be dewey because it definitely i don't think the emotional impact would have been the same with either of the other two because gail as much as we all love gail gail is a character that you can see it it coming to her at some point um mm. and um because she's always the brash, like, you know, one who's gonna like antagonize Ghostface the most. Um, and then Sydney, if it happened to Sydney, you kind of be like, okay, well, it was she finally just couldn't outrun it, you know? And so it's there's there's with both of them, you could kind of see it happening. And, you know, while we wouldn't be okay with either one of them, I just think that Dewey's just hurt so much more because he was the one who literally every movie almost died. Yeah. Um and barely survived each time, and this he's he, it finally caught up to him, um, and it was just devastating, um, especially for me because I've always loved Dewey. So, but uh, yeah, it's 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 that was that that's where you knew that they were, you know, definitely you know, upping the stakes in this movie, like nobody was safe. Um, you know, not a legacy, n like none of, none of the new people, you know, for the most part. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's interesting too, because I feel like these new movies are more brutal in their kills as well. Um, the, what, like the brutality of these ghost face are just they've the they've always been um very violent and everything but i don't know just maybe because it's a new generation you our 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 sensibilities have changed or whatever but these kills were just just felt so much more intense and and harsh than they used to <laughs> Yeah, it's like going back to to scream. All the deaths felt very planned out. You know, they knew they were going to, you know, how they were going to get Casey and they set up the boyfriend in the yard. It was very theatrical because in their in their mind they were making their own sort of scary movie. And right. now by five, you've got overzealous, impassioned fans. Uh, of the films which were based on these events during the killing right. and uh, the kills reflect that rabid nature of the fans i mean they're very very stab happy even in the the opening altercation with tara who's she's never meant to be killed she's always meant to be 
maimed just enough that Sam will come out and, yeah. and go back to her sister. But it's really, it's really brutal. It's in, in a way oh, yeah. more, more brutal than what happens to to Casey or to Jada Pinkett Smith's character in Scream Two, because the, you can feel that it does. It it feels more aggressive in than I don't know. It's hard to quite articulate, <laughs> but it 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 does. Yeah. It feels meaner. It's yeah, like, it feel, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. It feels meaner. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's just yeah. like, yeah, I, I agree. It just feels in, insanely mean now. Um, there's a cruelty to it, uh, even more so than you would think that, you know, the stuff that you know Billy was doing, that just this seems even more intensely cruel. But yeah, I I think that I, I love the new characters. Um, I'm I'm still a little soft on Sam. Uh, as a character um she's growing on me especially in the new movie uh but i don't know for some reason i'm not fully connecting with her as much um but i love tara i love mindy and chad uh so it's great to you know have this you know what we now know is the core four uh, uh from the new movie uh but it's they're great characters overall i li- i like that they're two groups of siblings and that they're all connected. They were all friends and connected by Sam being a babysitter to all of them and everything. So there's this, you know, a, a really deep connection between all of them. So. Yeah, I agree in regards to Sam being the the harder character to get on board with. Because I feel like even going back to four, as new as Jill was, she was easier to connect to because she was closer to Sydney. Obviously, we find out that she's trying to be the new Sydney. So she's right. almost sort of like manipulating herself into being Sydney. But Sam is, she's very different to to Sydney. She's, I feel that like she's far more guarded and insular. I mean, she's left Woodsboro. She's obviously battling some demons, but that makes it very hard on a first meeting to know where you stand with her. You don't know if you can trust her. You know immediately that you can trust Sydney. She's this yeah. all-American girl next door. But with Sam, you know, you see pretty early on that she is being plagued by visions of Billy. And that instantly puts you on a back foot. And I think for the most most part of the first film with her, you are questioning well, is she just going to snap? Is that where they're going with this? Is Billy's daughter going to become Ghostface? And so I think that is why it's not until this newer film where you're presented with the opportunity to get to know her because you've seen what she's gone through previously and say, okay, she's not quite Billy Loomis. She's clearly got the potential to go down that (laughs) path should should she wish to. But she's she's not i guess we're you know she's been tainted by her her father's reputation so we're immediately mistrustful of her um i mean on first watch i preferred richie to to sam he was the more <laughs> entertaining character you know yeah. it's 
I went back and forth because it's they were put, you know, it's always the love interest and so it was, it's going to be him. But then I didn't want it to be him because you know he was doing all of this, like pretending to have not seen any of the stab films. And he was very he was almost like a alongside Mindy, another um, Randy 2.0, which as a as a cinephile, I really enjoyed. So I was a little bit gutted when he was inevitably revealed to be the ghost face because I quite liked him up to that point. You know, he seemed all right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And I think Sam, like in the first movie, she's fully defined um, for for much of that movie in terms of her relationship to Billy. Like that's pretty much all she's defined by. So we we don't really get much of a sense of who she is as a person outside of that. Um, I think that we're we're getting a little bit more of that in this new movie, but I think it still kind of hampers her a bit. Um, this this legacy, um, and I get it. I get that they're trying to do this, um, in a way to uh, continue on with this um aspect of it. Um, I just think that you know it, it you know pull away from it a little bit and let's get more of who she is, just in her own person and and who and who she wants to be not who she's um you know potentially going to be you know mm. and so i think that you know if they kind of move past that and move the character a little bit more forward then that that would be more interesting for me so, yeah, yeah i mean all we know about her in five is that she's billy loomis's daughter and she abandoned her sister when she found this out and we, though we don't know who their mother is from what information we are given she really is not the sort of parent that a younger sibling should have been left alone with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, with, with Tara, we get a little bit more, uh, you know, with Tara's not, not a whole lot either. Um, but it, the, the first movie is really kind of hard to you know do that. We're getting just, you know, the bare bones of who these characters are um, to, to move them forward. Of course, you know, with any legacy sequel like this, you're going to like it's it's the first movie is always going to be an intro movie uh, and then move it forward into the next one. And and that's what's great about you know, number six is we get a little bit more into the characters um, as who they are uh, themselves. So, uh, but, yeah, I was I was I was a little let down uh, by the the reveal of who the ghost faces were in uh, number five uh, being Richie and Amber. Not so much Amber. I mean, Amber was kind of expected. Um, yeah. My my daughter actually called it. She she uh, had said that uh, she told me afterward that uh, she she thought Amber was one of them uh, all along, just based on uh, she had looked at the poster and just kind of looked at each individual person on there and was like, uh, that one, that one looks like a ghost face. And so <laughs> I was like, well, you know, yeah, there was. Has... <laughs> you know, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I called Amber from her first scene in the hospital. There was just something about her that yeah. seemed off. She was overly sort of fussy of Sam and quite hostile. Uh, no, she was overly fussy of Tara and quite hostile towards Sam, whereas everyone else was pleased to see her. She wasn't, and I know you were supposed to think that that's because like she was like so close to Tara Protective that she, Tara. Yeah. yeah. But there was just like, no, and, and like, you know, like, like your daughter said, there's just something about her that sort of screamed, I'm a scream killer. And yeah. so, yeah, I, like I, say, I, I pegged her. I thought I had a strong inkling about Richie, but I say I went back and forth and kind of hoped that they wouldn't go down that route. Do it again. Yeah. 
but then oh, they yeah. did and yeah. uh, it was it was what it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah, I, w- I was disappointed that it was Richie for sure, but I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of trivia, Richie could have been played by by Kyle. Um, oh, he, okay. he auditioned he auditioned for Richie. Uh, he obviously didn't get the part, but the Radio Silence guys liked him and then wrote in the character of Vince for him. They were like, oh, dude... Okay. We like you. We loved what you did. You're not. We don't quite feel it's right for this. But how about you come to set and and hang out and get killed by Ghostface? And he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, sure. Let's let's do this." So I do. Since since finding out the information, I do try and sit and think how that might have played out. Maybe it would have been more of a shock. Just going yeah. by some of some of his other work within the horror genre, like in the Nightmare of Remake, he's this, you know, he's the nice, quiet, like boyfriend type. I just wonder how. And in Smile, he's the, again, he's he's the ex sort of boyfriend who clearly still holds a flame for the lead. I wonder if it would have worked slightly differently with with his sort of chemistry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it's always it's always interesting when you find out that and figure out like, you know, how w- would this have changed the dynamic? Would this have uh uh altered the story in any way? Um or at least, you know, audience-wise, like w- would we have seen him early on and been like, yeah, it's definitely him. <laughs> So. I mean, I would have been Team Ghostface, you know, after like <laughs> a big fan of his career and like did him in America to be like, yeah, screw it. Right. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, Ghostface. Like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Like so far, like and that's what's funny, too, is like, like none of these ghost faces have ever had a good motivation. Like uh, and that and I definitely want to get into this with number with number six, because I've heard a lot of people complaining about um uh, the ghost face in number six and their motivation. And I'm like, yeah, but none of them ever had a really good motivation. It's always been shitty. They've always been shitty revenge, like for no real reason um, or, or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, Billy, Billy, you know, wanted to kill Sydney because, uh, you know, her mom, you know, slept with his dad and broke up his, his, his family. Again, that's not Sydney's fault. That's you, you <laughs> just, you know, you're just being a psycho for no reason. Um, and then, you know, Billy's mom and the next one was just, okay, well, her son died. Yeah, because he was the psycho, you know, <laughs> and so obviously runs in the fucking family. Um, <laughs> and then Romans, Romans, I can understand Roman being upset, but again, killing people and doing all this. Okay. And this is something else that really bothers me too about these new movies they've kind of there's kind of this weird roman erasure going on um they reference him in the in the new one but in the in the last one there's no mention that he's sydney's brother um and there's no no mention that like that he because she says sydney actually says that this was all of this is because of billy and it's like no but roman was the one who set all this in emotion in the first place billy was like um brought in by roman you yeah. know for all of this to begin with so it's 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 weird it's like they kind of want to erase number three in a way 
um, which is frustrating because I have what I think would be a great idea um, for uh, uh, a future movie, but uh, involving uh, events from number three. So, but we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but, uh, also, also, like, Sydney is there. She knows that Sam is Billy's daughter. She herself, as you say, is related to a ghost face. Yes. There should be that that kinship of being like, I understand the feelings that you're going through because in you know there was this time when my you know I found out that my brother it's a, it, yeah it's it's a very interesting point that it's just glossed over I mean he does make an appearance he is <laughs> Scott Foley is in the episode of Dawson's Creek that Tara is watching in the hospital so <laughs> I didn't know that that's funny <laughs> is there in a way but, oh that's yeah. funny no, I, I think that I, I don't think they're necessarily trying to erase it. I think it's just one of those things where it just doesn't fit into the narrative that they're trying to do where it's they're trying to point mostly to Billy um, being the cause of everything um, and, and how that ties into Sam's uh, life now. Um, and so it's I I. I get it, but I I do think being that I'm a big fan of number three, um, that I always it always frustrates me that uh, that uh, it, it it feels like they're kind of glossing over it just a little bit, just you know, not not pointing out the things about it because, like I said, in the in number six, they kind of very very briefly mention it, um, and so it's a little weird. <laughs> but uh but yeah and this this one with this ghost face with number five with their motivation being you know that you know how can to- how can fandom be toxic and uh it's it, it was very timely uh and still timely to this day because we see it a lot in um you know not just the horror world but like lots of fandoms uh constantly have these this this group of people who feel like they somehow know and own uh these properties more so than any other fans or any of the people who are creating new things um and so it plays into a lot of this and could have played into this movie as well a lot of people could have like hated on on number five so much so that it could have you know eaten itself in a way um i'm glad to see it didn't um but it's interesting to you know get that aspect of it in on screen and to kind of call it out you know especially in the horror community because there's you see it you see it a lot in the horror community people who you know really kind of you know if they don't like something they're just they're going to call it out and you know be shitty about it so yeah it's it really and it is it is toxic toxic Very, fandom yeah. and it's you know, you, it's the people. Uh, you know, as the boy, well, it's it's the Richie and the Hammers of the world. Where you know you go, hey, I know, I thought it was really good, and then someone else is like, yeah, but how could you like this film because X, Y, Z, Z? And it's like, don't take away someone else's joy if you don't like it. Just draw, don't say anything. You know, it's that age-old thing of if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it. But that <laughs> right. the, the the internet just hasn't 
grasp because when people feel safe behind their screens and you know yeah. that their opinion is more valid than anybody else's so I'm going to you know tell you that you're wrong and it was interesting to place two of those characters into that role to make the the audience sort of see themselves or parts of themselves reflected reflected back on screen i mean i don't for one second think that it's made any of those sorts of people go, no oh, maybe i should be i don't nicer. think they have the self-awareness but, yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it was it was still nice that they that they are sort of called out and like looking you know it's almost like justin for ryan johnson in a way because that's he's he's mentioned yeah. as being like the director of that film which is obviously a direct dig at the reception to his his star wars film um, right. So I did feel there was a little bit of, of vindication for for him in a in a strange way by uh, by going down that route. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I. I yeah. I don't think anybody has the self awareness enough to uh, look on look on that and go. You know what? I I need to reflect on that and maybe do better. But uh, yeah. They um yeah. It seems like you know the internet gives people a little too much freedom to uh, just kind of spout off what they want and think that they know best and everything just because they've seen it all and blah 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 it's like shut up we've all seen them all like you know you can have your opinion sure but it doesn't mean you're right so um but um but yeah i i i enjoy number five i think it's a really good movie i think it was a good return to form in a way um it very much honors wes uh wes craven and 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 everything as a whole uh but while also moving uh things forward into uh the new era and uh, a, a new group of uh, teenagers um characters that um w- we get to see in the new movie number six um and uh let's uh, jump right into this one um i love the opening of this one um this one was a nice um again one of those nice twists on stuff like you know we got in the fir- in, in number 5 we got the twist of Tara actually living mm. um it's the first time we've had somebody who was you know attacked in in the beginning live not only live but live throughout the whole thing and 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 survive uh, to another day um but uh so it's nice that they're like changing up the formula in a way i like that i like that they're changing up the formula um and in this one, it was so funny, too, because uh, it wasn't until recently that, um, of course, everybody heard that Samara Weaving was uh, going to be in this movie. And, you know, she'd been in Ready or Not with uh, the Radio Silence guys. And so I was excited because I like Samara Weaving. And so I was like, mm-hmm. OK, she's going to be awesome in the movie. But then it was like when I saw the, I guess, the final trailer, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to be the first one killed. I was like, yeah. I know, like, I it, like it wasn't until then that I realized that. And then I was like, oh, she's the opening kill. And sure enough, a great, great kill, though. I love it. Um, it's uh, it's definitely kind of a shocker. And especially because the ghost face unmasks himself like right then and there. And yeah. I thought we were getting a wholly different movie. I was like, oh, we're going to know who this ghost face is from the beginning. I was like, this is going to be interesting. Um. You know, and of course they've kind of flipped that and we don't get that, but I, I would have been an interesting movie to kind of get that and maybe see. And this is where, this is where I got really excited about it too, because I was like, holy shit, they are really doing the cult 
they, they're doing the cult they're doing the cult yeah. um and then and then of course they 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 didn't um not overall i think that i i still think it's there i really do um but i um but they kind of flip it and the the, the real ghost face of the movie um you know comes and uh, uh 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 kills him and the friend who turn out to be friends of Richie's um and so they're trying to finish a movie uh that they started uh which was an interesting thing that we find out more about at the end as well um, yeah yeah so. I really enjoyed the the opening as well I mean Samara weaving is is good in in anything but the yes. just the scenario that it was it it felt like a very believable thing because it's again it's not somebody in a house it's linking i feel that there's a lot of thematic links between six and two so again you've yes. got yeah um her out in a in a public space she's it's always a little bit i know what you did last summer as well she's just off of the street safety and help is just there but she's just that little bit too far away to to get it so it's it's like the, the you know the little text exchanges rather than her being on the phone and then she's on the phone and she's on the phone with uh with him more than she is with ghostface so ghostface is the is the last last thing and i was with you like when he revealed his face and it's the dude from spider-man, Spider-Man and, the Tony grand, yeah, yeah. And, and the grand budapest hotel i was like oh my god like are we gonna go into like a halloween ends sort of scenario and see what it what makes a ghost face rather than right or you know are we gonna see him orchestrating other attacks and i was a little deflated when he then ends up being the the, the second the second yeah. death but again when you look at that cast on paper you go okay so new additions were well, they're probably two of the more famous people yep. so of course they're going to be the first kills because that yeah, seems to yeah. be the way that they're they're going this new series is is sort of going back to the the drew barrymore kill and it's the more famous you are the more chance you've got of of being offed in the in the first scene yeah yeah absolutely yeah i i um oh man i said something that i was going to respond on that one now i don't remember um but yeah i think that it's it's a great opening it's i really wish uh in a way that they had continued that but oh that's what it was so it's it's a lot of this movie uh number six um plays a lot like number two uh, there's yeah. a lot of callbacks um which you know to be fair i get um they're kind of going along with you know even with number five they were doing a lot of what number one did um yeah. specifically because that was the whole point richie and amber were recreating um number one so they could get back to basics um and so it felt like number two was kind of doing a similar thing in a way it's something I didn't really overall notice, you know, myself at first. Um, I should have, um, but you know, being college, being you know, um, and then everybody, uh, you know, a, a lot of things were very similar. Uh, but it's, which is funny too, because number two has always been one of the lowest um, on my list of uh, movies. I think it's, I, I love them all. Don't get me wrong. I think number two is great. 
it just always been one of those ones because it followed so closely on to number one that always felt like it was retreading a lot of the same material. Um, and I think that number six could be argued, you know, the same way uh, because we don't have a, as much distance. And I do think that a lot of um, a, a lot of these movies work better when they have a little bit of distance so that they can have something new to say about the genre or about movies in general. Um, you know, the distance between number three and then number four and then number five, you know, we had, you know, a few years in between each of those so that, you know, things had changed and we could talk more about that, that kind of stuff. And so with six following a year behind, it felt very much like that same, you know, year behind that had between one and two. And so there wasn't a whole lot of distance, but I still think, I don't know. Number six just feels like a much stronger movie in a lot of ways for me um, that uh, because it's doing new and different things in that, you know, it's getting away from a lot of the stuff that number two did um, in a way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely appreciated, I appreciated that ghost face went public more. I think that's something that they did with, to a degree with Randy's death in the second one where it's yeah. you know, out uh, out on the university campus but I liked the the victims here it wasn't that oh look now this person's on the road and oh look they're getting a phone call it was ha- the deaths were happening you know in convenience stores and on yeah. sub you know there on was the subway, you know attacks yeah. attacks on the subway and stuff like places where we should feel safe uh, yeah, in a in way public, yeah. yeah and but in a way i feel that that makes six the more terrifying prospect because we all know that we are not necessarily safe when we go to the convenience store and Absolutely, when we go yeah. on the subway and i feel that that is a a, a cleverer maneuver because we all know that if all oh, you're home alone at night and the phone rings oh it's like a scary movie but to suddenly see how internalized fears of open spaces be manipulated in that way, and especially the 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 scene, the whole chase and kill scene in the apartment again, it's it's tapping yeah. into that home invasion. I mean, it happens twice. It happens with your your first ghost face, and then it happens again as they're all sitting down and having having dinner. You know, they're suddenly going through. A window across a ladder it's it's yeah. a terrifying prospect because that feels like the more unexpected scenario you wouldn't know until it was happening you're on your own you know you've got that whole like oh it's like this but it's like a scary movie but when confronted with that you don't know it's happening until you're in it and i feel that that's something that it manipulates manipulates quite well yeah i agree i that 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 use of our fear you know of you know, or or that that sense of safety in public. I mean, I think most people still have that sense of safety in public, even despite everything that's happened in the last you know twenty plus years. I think there's still this idea that um, we can be safe, more safe in public or around other people than not. And so to then manipulate that, like you said, to then have Ghostface uh, go into the bodega and and. and hill on the subway and everything it's just it's it's much it, it taps into all of that and makes it even scarier in a lot of ways that no place is safe that nowhere you go not in your home not in not in public nowhere safe uh especially when it comes to you know ghost face so 
And especially in this in this world where because these killings have been made into these wildly popular horror movies um, that, you know, people are dressing up like Ghostface and you don't know who is the killer and who isn't the killer. You don't know who to trust, and, you know, and that nowhere made that um, more obvious than in the subway scene. Um, you know, with uh, so many of them dressed as Ghostface and they don't know if any of them are actually the killer or if they're just all random people dressed up for Halloween. So, yeah, the Halloween setting was definitely another oh. sort of clever, clever touch. I mean, one, the Scream franchise has been built on its horror Easter eggs and what yes. better what better time than Halloween. You know, the, I mean, I will admit, I think I got a little bit distracted during the subway sequence as I was trying to like <laughs> look at uh, like, oh, look, there's like Sam from Trick or Treat and there's Pinhead over there and there's, oh, look, there's somebody dressed as, as Grace from, from Ready or Not. And, um, yeah. But yeah, the, it was a stroke of genius to do that because again, it helps build into this idea of cult because it is, it's like who who is and who isn't in on this it was yeah well and then it makes you wonder too that like sure you some of them weren't there to kill anybody but maybe there's they're all still part of it they're all you know playing the red herring uh to you know off balance uh our our main characters and that's that's what i love about the whole idea of this cult um you know, that I'm hoping they're playing into at some point um, that because this is obviously these movies have had this influence on people uh, in this world that there are people who are, you know, from from Jill on um, really that they've had this impact on people. And it's it's and really, you know, from two on um, that they've they've had this influence on people in a way that uh, is obviously negative. Um you know, and it, it plays into a whole thing about uh, this whole idea of of you know that that has been going on for years in in, in our culture about you know the role that uh, movies play in you know creating killers and stuff like that, and 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 they go into it in the Scream franchise as well. You know, it, it, are these movies influencing people, or are they, or, or are these people just messed up, and? You know, it just it, it just goes more into this whole and especially now in this Internet age and and how uh, easily it was able to twist that narrative on Sam that we see in mm. this movie that Sam was the survivor. She was the one who stopped Richie and Amber from killing um, uh, everybody. And it, it, you know, but they manipulated it and turned it around that made it seem like Richie and Amber were innocent and she killed them and she was the true murderer and got away with it. And it just speaks to like a deeper, like, and that's what I, and that's what, as much as I, I think that they're, that screen movies do better with that distance. I think they actually, because I think they, these movies are actually being designed as more of a true potential trilogy or however many this is going into. This is an overall story that they're doing. It's a much larger story. The first one was about toxic fandom and this one's more about how, um, you know, true crime people and 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 the way the internet affects um uh the way we see things. Um so this misinformation and and stuff the the way it's easily easily um easy to manipulate um yeah. people uh that want to be manipulated in that way. 
Yeah, it's definitely an interesting, interesting stand. I mean, I know that the Mindy does this whole spiel about, oh, now we're in a in a franchise and she goes through the rules, but I don't I don't really see how I don't see those rules sort of lining up in other films when they've gone through the rules they have and everything right. with what happens. But I feel here it's the characters feel that that is what's happening, but the reality is closer to to what you're saying. It's more the the series is exploring our real world problem with our use of the digital age and in our consumption of of news and facts and and how easy you know like deep fakes you know suddenly tom cruise is in a film that tom cruise was never in but you look at that deep fake and you wouldn't be able to tell i think that is what i feel maybe in some ways the meta aspect of the main characters is separating so that the filmmakers can show this this other side. Yeah. No, and I I think it's interesting, you know, like because you mentioned the whole bit about how Mindy talks about a, a franchise and how the rules uh, that she lays out for a franchise exist. Uh, but you're right, like a lot of other horror franchises, those rules don't necessarily apply because a lot of other horror franchises uh, continually try to reboot. Um, they're try they try to wipe away what came before and just try to go, okay, well, this is the new thing. Um, forget everything that happened before, this is the new thing. And rather than continuing, and the Scream franchise has actually been as the Scream franchise is a true franchise where it's the it's continued everything and it's got the most consistent um overall um uh, plot and uh, uh continuity. Uh, than almost any other uh, uh, franchise uh, that's out there. So the franchise rules kind of do apply specifically only for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and, 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 you know, you could argue there's probably some other ones, maybe the saw franchise um, uh, has, has some uh, you know, consistent continuity as well. And so, you know, there's, it, it's just, but if you look at like Friday the 13th or nightmare on Elm street or, you know any of those other big franchises the, the the narrative consistency between them is is kind of tenuous at best a lot of times so no matter what the filmmakers try to do yeah i did i did think there was some there were some issues that i had with with 6 i think the yeah. the, the the big one is we all know that it was very publicized that that Nev Campbell wasn't going to be returning yeah. for a multitude of reasons and i didn't I didn't quite buy the sort of throwaway line from Gail where she's like, yeah, I called Sydney and like, they're going to take the kids and hide because it didn't feel like the Sydney Prescott that we've had for five films before where, I mean, she left her kids behind last time. Um, But by the time you get to the conclusion, it makes sense because this ghost face isn't interested in Sydney. This ghost face has got a grudge against the Carpenter sisters. So I do think that the radio silence guys did a good way in explaining why ghost face suddenly wasn't fixated on, on Sydney Prescott, but I kind of, maybe like, I, I don't even know if that line was needed. It's just like, yeah, this isn't anything to do with Sydney. She's not in New York. Let's not even mention a sort of thing. You know, she's why would why would it be? Why would she be be bothered about this? Um, so that was one thing. And then 
whereas we discussed in Scream 5, legacy characters weren't safe. Here, they felt a little bit too safe. I mean, A little too safe, yeah. yeah. Chad, God yeah. bless him. He's, he's a great <laughs> character. He's lovely, but... I mean, we thought he was dead at the end of five and then he gets wheeled out. Like, wait a minute. He's the new Dewey for sure. (laughs) But I mean, like the new Dewey, Dewey got stabbed a couple of times in Scream 2. I mean, there was two of of them properly hacking him to pieces. That kid is just going to be scar tissue come come seven. Like, (laughs) or he's made of Teflon. It's it's one or the other. It felt a little bit too much. And the same with, with Gail and then with Mindy, it's kept sort of like faking out, like, oh, wait, you know, told you no one was safe. Oh, yeah. but actually they are. I kind of what I don't know. I just feel like maybe somebody could have could have gone. Yeah. Just to make it a bit more exciting. Cause the people who did die, we didn't really know anything about. I mean, what I right, think they were all throwaway people yeah yeah i mean you've got you've got that like samara weaving's character and the visuals who aren't properly connected to the core characters okay you've got a film lecturer and then a friend of a friend of tara's but they're not fully integrated the only one who is is mindy's girlfriend and right that's kind of all we know about her she is the only death from the main group who isn't a ghost face and that right. I'm kind of used to there being a bit more fodder throughout a screen yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what we get we get uh Annika, Mindy's uh girlfriend, we get um uh uh Gail's boyfriend. Um uh we get the 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 two in the beginning. Um we get the people in the bodega of the a couple of people in the bodega, um, the therapist, the therapist. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not light on kills, but yeah, definitely within that core group, it, it feels like there's no, nobody really dying. Uh, there, there feels like there's almost no stakes, uh, in a way because they just keep coming back. Um, and I thought, I thought that same way too. I was like, what, how is, how is, how is Chad still alive? He, yeah. he was stabbed so many times. Um, and it, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that he's alive. He's a great character. I'd like to see more of him. Uh, but you know, it just felt a little weird, but yeah. So I think that, you know, there's a, there's, there's definitely a lot of kills, but there there is definitely not that core, uh, that core group. And it definitely feels like they have a, you know, what people like to call plot armor, (laughs) you know, it's like, we need them to, we need them to survive like Gail Dewey and, uh, Sydney survived every episode, uh, every every movie, so that you know they can make it to the next one. Um, yeah, I I struggled to buy Kirby as an FBI agent. I just <laughs> in my head when they when they said, "Oh, it's FBI," I just flashed to Point Break with you know Keanu Reeves as Johnny Utah going, <laughs> "I'm an FBI agent." It just it didn't seem like the career path that Kirby would do, and. There is that little Easter egg in five of she's talking in one of the YouTube videos. And I was sort of thinking, yeah. like how how then is, is somebody who is in the FBI appearing on YouTube videos talking about stab films? I don't quite understand where there's that FBI agent by day, film fanatic influencer by night. I I'm not sure. kind of see it, uh, you know, based on like the way she said it, you know, the the incident, the, you know, the the the. 
the um the 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 events that happened to her uh made her want to take some control over it and i could see where they would put her kind of like so it feels kind of like she would be in a very similar to role role as to what mark kincaid was uh in in number three um that you know she's somebody who knows these killings and you know at least you know what little she knew about it maybe has studied up on the whole thing and has become maybe some like they're kind of expert on Ghostface and you know so you know I I can kind of say I'll give them a little bit of that uh but <laughs> but yeah it did feel a little weird for sure yeah I definitely I definitely struggled with with that reveal I don't know maybe it's the the film fan in me just doesn't see myself ever going going down that route. Obviously, I've not been through the sort of trauma that that she yeah. went through, but I don't. Know. I think it's also obviously like Helen Panettiere. She's she's so small, and just the idea of her being this badass FBI <laughs> agent just it, it it in your head when you think FBI, you think. Or at least I think somebody that's a little taller in stature and a bit more together. Right. But I know, you know, I know Hayden from from Scream and more recently Nashville. And yeah, I yeah. mean Juliet. So she's a she's a feisty character, but just I don't know. FBI agent just doesn't doesn't ring true. I mean, <laughs> cop detective. Like I would have like a detective drafted in by the FBI sure but the it's the fbi thing because she is i mean gail mentions it but she is still quite young to be yeah so high up within the ranks of the of the fbi yeah yeah i i i i can see that i i don't know i i enjoyed it. i actually like her character more in this movie than i did in number four um i was i've never been a huge kirby fan um like number four has always been kind of low on on the list for me in general anyway. Um, and, you know, I, I understand why everybody loves Kirby. You know, she's kind of, you know, a more cantankerous version of Randy in a, in a way. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. something I have always liked uh, Hayden Panettiere um, a, as an actress. I think she does great work. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just, it didn't gel well with me uh, in number four. Uh, but with this one, like I, I really enjoyed the character a lot more and I, I felt like they, they, they kind of like, you know, flipped it on us for a minute there. I was just like, Oh my God, they're not really making her the killer. Are they like, I, I was like, no, come on. And then I was like, cause they've talked about that. Like fans have, have, have yeah. kind of wanted that too. somebody who was a victim who then became a ghost face. Um, and I was just always like, I, I just don't see that happening. Sure. I, I I maybe understand it happening to somebody, but just within this framework, I just don't ever see that happening. But um, so I was glad to see that in the end, it really wasn't true. Uh, but again, we get we get down to the 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 true ghost face, and their motivation is just is shit as usual. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I think is where a lot of people end up having a problem with the movie. I I, I haven't seen anybody really have too too big of a problem with the movie. Um, most people seem to enjoy it, but a lot of people are, are, are the the few quibbles that I have seen um, have been about um, the the motivation. Um, 
and just about how shitty it is. I'm like, okay, but you can accept Debbie's like, you know, Billy Loomis's mom's motivation, but not this one is the exact same motivation. <laughs> so. Yeah. For me, obviously it's the first time that there's been three, technically four, if yes. you include uh, the guy from, from the beginning, but I, again, similarly to Amber in five, as soon as I met Quinn and as soon as I met her dad, I knew it was them. I mean, <laughs> I, I, they they might as well have just been wearing the ghost face mask as they were telling them, like, oh, my brother died a year ago. My son died a year ago. And it's like, oh, who do we know that happened a year ago that, you know, That's might funny. have... The, the, the brother... I didn't see, but that was purely because I've been trained by the Scream franchise to expect two ghost faces. And so I had my two and then I was, I was done. And he at least didn't go into any like, oh yeah. So my brother, he, he was a bit more of, of an unknown, but he said earlier in the back of my head, I really wanted it to be their mother. And, and, You've got the the dad here, which again ties back into the the thematic links of two, where it's the the right. mother of the killer here. It's still a parent of the killer, but I really wanted it to be their mother for a point Sam, of Sam and yeah. Tara's mom. Yeah. So yeah. so then again, we've still got that that parental linkage to two, but it was just two early signpost for me so I was like oh so it's going to be those two and then it was those two <laughs> and there was that moment where obviously there was the the fake out with Kirby and it's like oh and then it wasn't and then again I just felt a bit dejected that I shouldn't be that easy to know who it's going to be right I want a bit yeah. more like, like even with Richie it's like Probably is, but maybe it's not. But maybe it is. But with Quinn, like even even the the Quinn dying thing, you don't in Scream. If somebody's dead, you see them dead. It's why in Scream Five, when Chad is revealed, because we haven't seen his dead body. Yeah. So when he rocks up and he's he's alive, it's and again in Six, you know we don't and with Gail, you know we we don't see. We don't see them. We don't see them die. So we know that there's a chance that they're alive. And with Quinn, it was sort of heavily implied. And then you've got the scene where he goes in and he comes out crying. But I just didn't buy it <laughs> at all. And I don't profess to be I don't know, the the most adept at working out who done it. So when I can guess it. I'm a little, a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter called Quinn. Uh, she, that was when she thought, um, she thought it was somebody else though. It was the second killer. But then when Quinn, you know, quote died, she was like, well, I guess it's not her. Then who is it? And so, you know, she didn't really know who it was. And then when, when it was revealed, Quinn was one of them. She was like, oh, okay. I knew it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I was a little disappointed that it was, you know, it was them um, and that they were tied to Richie. That part of it kind of disappointed me just because I was like, Ugh, okay, I guess. But I was just like, you know, a, a, a dad and his, and his kids like working together, like all of them would be like involved in this is like, 
nobody thought this was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like I know your brother died and everything like that, but you know, he was trying to kill other people. Like, you know, it's this whole family of psychopaths. Um, yeah, you know, it's, like it's not a parent, single one yeah. of them was bad yeah. or uh, not a single one of them was good and thought, uh, no, let's, let's not do this, you know? Yeah. And there's definitely that thing in the screen franchise as well with parents inability to realize their children's shortcomings, because, you know, the yeah. dad during this monologue is like, he was a filmmaker and he was really good. And then in the background, you can see like Richie doing his, his blogs and his, his like student homages yeah. to, to stab and stuff. And whilst it's valiant that he's made them you can tell that they're not all that and it does tie into some parents inability to admit that their child might not be the absolute bestest at everything you know I mean I'm I'm a parent of a four-year-old I I love I love my daughter dearly but there are some things that you know she can't do and that's absolutely fine but I'm not going to pretend to her that like oh yeah amazing you're fantastic you're the best person yeah. in the world at this because that does nothing for her and then it it sort of warps my mind but in the scream franchise you know billy can do no wrong for debbie yeah. and richie can do not only no wrong for her his dad but his brother and sister also seemingly idolize him i mean if richie yeah. was my brother i'd probably think he was really irritating <laughs> so <laughs> right. i Oh yeah, no, I just yeah, I did that. That that was just that was the part that like rang a little hollow to me. But again, like I said before, that this whole franchise is full of this kind of shitty motivation that makes absolutely no sense, you know, for anything else. But it rings true to the real world. You see that you know, most of these people who are killing people for whatever reasons have the 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 shittiest dumbest reasons ever for yeah. killing people um so it, it it brings true to reality like you know of course i want more in my entertainment i want more you know grandiose reasons and 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 something more poetic and and everything we're not going to get that and i think that's what's great about scream is that you know when it comes down to it these motivations are always going to be crappy and that you know it, that if people would think on it just a little bit more maybe they just wouldn't do this but my 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 other thing was too is that this whole like you know we get this whole shrine uh thing which is very cool we get all yes. these you know, callbacks to all of the movies um including this uh big thing on the stage of all of the ghost face masks and uh um cloaks and knives and everything and i'm like what kind of money did richie have that he could afford to not only find and buy all this shit um, you know, and, and, and I know that part of it was that they said that, you know, because the dad was a cop and everything like that, that stuff goes missing from evidence all the time. And that, that kind of is maybe kind of how they got some of it, but that only goes so far. I mean, he's a cop, sure, but he doesn't have jurisdiction or access to any of these things in Woodsboro or Hollywood or wherever these other things were at. So it, it was a little weird. And I, I would think that, you know, that kind of stuff on a collector's market, especially you know, a serial killer, you know, um, uh, fan kind of thing, that kind of stuff would be very hard to get. And if not that very expensive to get. And so it was weird that he had pretty much everything. So, yeah. And especially as like, two of those previous films that they've 
or the outings that they've collected memorabilia from were in Woodsboro. And therefore your police force is Dewey and or Judy. I don't, and or even the other police who work there, they have other colleagues who are me. There's a few cops who were killed in four. I'm not, I don't quite grasp how much money they would need to disregard their own personal trauma and hand over Jill's mask or Billy's mask. Like I don't see that happening on, on Dewey or Judy's or Judy's watch, but then to be after them would be too late. They wouldn't have been in, in the museum for Richie yeah. to, to, to play yeah. with. So that, I mean, that great, is where the gr- plot where thin where's a little yeah. thin. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, if you apply too much logic to it, sure. Um, you know, I, and, and I, it was something I thought about afterward because in the moment you're just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. You know, this yeah. is awesome. You know, this <laughs> you're is busy great. spotting you know? like, Oh yeah, there's, there's Tatum's full outfit and there's yeah. like the nice sweater. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did like how all of the blades were covered in blood, despite the fact that every time we see Ghostface kill somebody, and he wipes it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the whole it's a whole thing with them. Like even and that's what's funny too cuz like this whole uh this number 6 they had a whole marketing campaign around them all wiping blood off of knives. Like every character like had a knife and they wiped blood off of it or whatever. It was like a whole thing and then like every knife in this movie was just crusted with previous blood. Um which is completely unsanitary. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's but yeah, I know I love the shrine bit like it's because it's just, you know, as a fan, you know, that's just one of those things where like somebody needs to make a cool exhibit of scream stuff like that. And that would just be like any like that's the funny thing, like Richie having gotten all that stuff, he could have made a killing rather than killing people. He could have made huge amounts of money, like displaying this in like locations or whatever like that, like just having people come in and view it all. Um, you know, he could have made a cool little serial killer stab scream museum um, and, and just made so much money, you know, it wouldn't, have, he, he could have financed his own better movie. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> rather than killing people to make it, you know, he could have made his own movie regardless. And so it just, it's just like, okay, that's just weird. So <laughs> things you think about later. So I do want to kind of get into um, some theory bit here. Um, there is um, everybody's been talking about this for a while, and it seems like they're kind of moving towards this, um, even if, you know, and I don't know when they're going to get to it, but not, we've talked about the cult thing uh, a little bit. And I feel like they kind of played into that a little bit um, with the opening. Um, and I feel like, there's the potential to move that forward um, in later movies. Um, but I, I there's there's the whole Stumacher of it all. Um, I feel like they're really, really like putting in these Easter eggs, pointing to him being a potential um, like person who's kind of overall of this. Um, you know, we get... Um, in, in number five, we got a couple of lines about, oh yeah, Stu Mocker was just Billy's partner. And it's very throwaway, very disrespectful kind of like, like, oh, Stu Mocker wasn't anything. It's all Billy, you know? And 
you know, especially with Sam being Billy's uh, daughter, that, you know, we, we, he just gets dismissed a lot. But the house that Amber lived in where the, the finale takes place is was Stu Mocker's house. Um, in this one, we get that moment where there's the TV uh, in the shrine. Uh, they, they focus on it and then it gets used uh, uh, to uh, to hit one of the ghost faces later. Um, so we get all these little nods to Stu, but without, you know, any any kind of we haven't gotten anything about that. Now, I know that one of the ideas for Scream 3 was originally going to be very similar to this idea that Stu Mocker was going to be back and he was influencing uh, high schoolers uh, in that one uh, to um, to uh, kill people. Um, and so, and to kind of recreate uh, the events of uh, Scream 1. Um, they ended up having to go a different route after uh, Columbine happened. Mm. And that's why Scream 3 is as as funky as it is in a lot of ways. Um, but I... I feel like they they might potentially be going to this. Uh, what do you think? I'm not sure. I mean, I think they ended up using that. They repurposed it into the um, Kevin Bacon cop drama, The Following. Yes. Yeah. Um, that part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, um, which is a, a great series. If anyone listening hasn't watched it. Yes. Watch excellent it. series. Um, especially if you're like Edgar Allan Poe, boy, you're in for a treat. Oh, James Purifoy <laughs> is like yes. so good in that. Yeah, I have I have interviewed him and it was post watching oh, yeah. the following and it was terrifying because I was like, I'm talking <laughs> with Joe Carroll, like, oh um I don't know. I mean I love the first scream and I think that that Billy and Stu are the ghost faces that will never be topped. There's that really as much as the the motives might not land, I think they're a, a believable duo of ghost faces because they're just right. like like film like film bros who have just uh, their attention seeking and they're you know, like the epitome of, of toxic masculinity um yes I think we mentioned earlier you know billy's you know he's desperately trying to seduce sydney and then like Stu is just he kind of feels very whiny and spoiled rich kids you know oh casey broke up with him and now he's with tatum but that's not good enough for him yeah. but i feel that i feel that Stu was killed i don't I don't know how they could explain him surviving. I mean, Billy stabbed him really deep. You know, he was either going to, you know, he was going to bleed out. And bleed then out, yeah. TVs back in the day were very heavy. big and heavy. And, yeah. you know, he, I struggle to, I struggle to know how, how much face he's got left yeah. after, after that. And you kind of need to have a, a, a head, to to remain alive <laughs> so like i would like to see Stu back because i think he was a a great ghost face very different to billy and it would be interesting to see that his motivation has literally just become his erasure from the history like yeah the woodsboro murders of billy billy loomis the woodsboro murders Oh, and Stu Macca. I could, I can see that through line where he's been sat in prison and it's just been festering and boiling and 
what, how many years ago are we now from Scream? You know, it's, could he have got out of good behaviour and used the insanity defence or you know, his peer pressure defence? He was bullied into it. You know, he Billy was blackmailing him in some way or controlling him. You know, there is a right. there is a tangible story where he he gets out after 20 or so years. And that's that's why these things are coming. But I do struggle with believing him to have survived full stop. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I, I just, you know, a, a, we've seen that, you know, we talked about Chad, you know, Chad should not have survived, you know, everything. And, you know, it's, it's, that's where I'm like, okay, well, these movies are like that where the, he, these people, some of these people have survived uh, quite a bit uh, of damage uh, and uh, managed to get out. Um, yeah, I would think, though, that, too, like, yeah, if if Stu had been in jail, we would have gotten some kind of mention of it uh, during yeah. all of this. Um, you know, like, you know, maybe people would have interviewed him during all this time or whatever. Uh, my theory was just that he somehow escaped, um, you know, you know, and and. But also that would have been talked about as well. So, you know, so there, there, there's definitely some narrative inconsistencies to to yeah. to get over. Uh, to and if, if he is controlling, yeah, yeah, and if he is controlling them, why, why is he killing his nephew? Vince is his nephew. You know, what's, yeah. his, sister, what's yeah. his sister's kid done? You know, why? Yeah. Unless it's again to sort of you know throw them throw them off but i feel like if you went down the stew marker route maybe maybe you bring in the sister you know maybe you bring in vince's mum who is yeah. enraged that her son her, her son was killed you know hashtag uh justice for kyle i gotta keep yeah. beating that drum <laughs> um but for me i just want it to i want sam and tara's mum to be involved in some way she was obviously yeah. a billy loomis fangirl while he was alive and i feel from the bits of information that we have it's just showing that she would she's been mentioned in both films but we haven't seen it i feel that there's got to be a point and if we're if we're going through the thematics of the original trilogy in screen one and two maureen sydney's mum is talked about a lot but not seen and then the third film is kind of all about maureen it's it's yeah. Sydney going and and finding the secret history of the her sins of the mother yeah yeah, yeah. and i kind of yeah. feel that we could potentially be going forward into a direction where sam and tara's mum plays some sort of significant part in yeah. in the next in in the next film so i'm gonna maybe and i mean and if they did and it is anything related to occult and stuff and it's like the opening line from ghostface in five then that would be just i would bow down to radio silence for having <laughs> having it sort of alluded to right from like scene one of their first right. film to then have it revealed in the end scene of their last film i think would be a stroke of genius but who knows yeah yeah i'm not sure um i think that it, there's there's another interesting wrinkle in all this um that uh i brought up on the last episode um that in scream three there were supposed to be two killers um it was only late in production that they decided to uh change it to one killer uh and that there's evidence of this uh second killer uh throughout throughout the movie um and that killer was supposed to be angelina tyler uh the the actress who was playing sydney in stab three yeah. 
And you can see it like there was that moment where she gets, you know, um, uh, caught by Sydney in the bathroom and she plays it off as just trying to steal some, you know, uh, memorabilia or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then she gets, you know, supposedly killed at the end um, and her body gets dragged away by the, go- you know, by Ghostface or whatever. You know, so there's there's the there's this interesting bit where it's either sure she she might have. So there's the. So my thing is, is that they made it only one killer um, because, again, this was in the wake of Columbine. And so they went instead of the two killer route, they went the one killer route and they. um, But when she gets dragged off, when she's you know killed, it's either. You know, you can see it as he killed his partner. Uh, to get rid of her and to shut her up, you know, to to get rid of any potential problems later, um, or um, the death was faked and then you know she ends up getting away with it. Uh, so there's potentially a ghost face killer who actually made it out alive and is still out there somewhere. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a good one. So I always thought that would be an interesting like thing to bring back you know if we're going to bring back Stu, that you also bring back angelina tyler in a way because i mean you never really see her dead dead you just kind of see her laying there on the ground and then pulled away um like she's dead and so it's it it, to me it's still kind of left ambiguous especially no like finding out later that 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 was the intention was that she was supposed to be the second killer so it would be a, an interesting play to bring back these, uh, you, uh, this other ghost face that was there and, and tie it back into that and make that um, the original intent again. So, but that's yeah. just my theory, it, my no, but, my fun yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, but, then, but that's the thing. It's 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 like me and my my rabbit hole with with the mum. There are yeah. there are these little threads throughout the franchise yes. and you can just pull at them just enough to yeah. to get some rope to to continue continue down in in different directions. I mean what I hope they don't do is I really hope that they don't make Sam a ghost face. Oh, yeah. They've they no. teased it a few you know she finally listened to Billy and and killed Richie in five and then at the the end of this you know the beginning of this of six she's saying that she she quite liked the killing it was you know it's got a release for her and then at the end she sort of look at you find that she's kept the mask and it's only sort of when Tara approaches that she sort of is snapped out of this like hold that this mask has got on her and she she sort of chucks it aside I'm really hoping that they're not I'm really hoping that's a fake out and they're not building to to Sam becoming a ghost face because I'm not quite sh- I'm not sure what that would say in relation to her her mental illness. Are we sort of going backwards yeah. a little bit in in the representation of, of mental health in horror if we were to go down that scenario? Because I don't see anything else other than that being a causation for her to become ghost face. I think they I think kind of what they're alluding to in 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 this one and number six with this too of her looking at the mask and her throwing it away when Tara's there is that she can go down this road like she's trying to stay near Tara um, and it becomes an issue in the movie that she's holding on to Tara a little too much. Um, but 
you know, I feel like she's holding on to Tara because that was something she lost um, when she found out about Billy and that she's gone down this like road by herself and that Tara is helping her in a way to combat that, you Mm -hmm. know, like having that, that family that's not related to Billy, having this sister that's a, a part of something else, something more for the future rather than what what's in her past. Um, that's kind of how I feel like they were kind of focusing that uh, with this movie was moving that forward and hopefully trying to get out of that. Cause yeah, I don't want to see that either. I, I, that would disappoint me greatly to see her as the ghost face um, because it just, it, it would be disappointing it, as much as I know a lot of fans would be happy to not necessarily with Sam, but like somebody who is a previous victim to Ghostface become a Ghostface. Um, it's one of those constant theories you hear, but I think that doing that would cheapen what Sam is going through. Um, and like you said, especially with in terms of mental illness and, and everything that, you know, working on that progress that it feels like she, cause that's what, I mean, that's her whole point in this episode or in this, in this movie too, is that she's working through it. She's talking mm-hmm. to therapists. She's trying to work through this. She's on her medication. She's suppressing that because that's not something she wants. She's working on getting past it. And throughout this incident, yes, it brings it back up and, and, and all that, but she's still at the end of it. She's embracing moving forward and away from Billy. Um, and I think that's that's what they're overall trying to tell us. Um, and that's my hope anyway. Yeah, and that's definitely my hope too. All right. Um, well, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention about these uh, either of these two movies? Yeah, I mean, I think we've <clears throat> we've definitely <laughs> we've definitely covered covered a, a lot. There's there's definitely a lot to to take away from from both of these films. I mean, I guess. I just want to know when the franchise is going to space. You know, that's that's <laughs> what these franchises do, right? You know, it's, let's hope never. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe that's you know, Tara decides that she heeds Kirby's. Yeah, she heeds Kirby's words, and she's like, oh, I don't really want to become the monster. I just want to just like get the hell out of Dodge, and like they all <laughs> end up working on like the, you know, the uh, international space space station or something, and then you know, Ghostface finds a way. Uh, if they're going to go that route let's go more for the jason x route and go like deeper into the future and like you know and, and ghost faces up there then <laughs> well that's uh, that's how that's how Stu returns he he was a rich kid <laughs> he was cryogenically frozen they've re- they couldn't reconstruct his face he's been given like a, a robotic jason jason like ghost face but it's mask. just ghost face mask yeah yeah and and he awakens and still yeah still thinks that he's living in like what 1996 1997 and uh <laughs> yeah just starts hacking people up all right i'm sold all right <laughs> all right well why don't you let people know where they can find you and uh, uh anything that you're working on currently 
So um, I can be found on most social medias at uh, Gizmo Shikari. There's links to all of my stuff. And uh, my big sort of news uh, is twofold. I am now a guest contributor for for Ghouls magazine. I did something for them at the end of last year, really enjoyed working with them. So I'm now going to be doing some some more writing uh, with them. And uh, the US release of Addison Hyman's Hypochondriac, uh, Addison approached me and asked me to write uh, an essay about the film, which is one of my favourite films of last year, and I adore it. And I was very privileged to be able to uh, to write a few words about what makes uh, that film so special. So that's, uh, that's my big news. Awesome. That's, that's great. I will definitely keep my eyes out for those. Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's out this it's out in March. I can't remember the exact date, but by the end of March, okay. uh, via Vinegar Syndrome, you'll be able to uh, have a copy of that film and read some words by myself. All right, excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming back on again, and uh, you know we'll get you back on again uh, in the future. Thanks again to Cat for joining me for this final episode on the Scream franchise. Next episode, Ashley Thomas joins me to talk about a couple of post-Scream slashers. Urban Legend and Valentine, both directed by Jamie Blanks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more from our Tea Public page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.